Pavlov's dog. You hear that sound? You know what's coming. It's In Goal Radio, the podcast. Looking forward to it. Presented by The Hockey Shop, thehockeyshop.com. Source for sports, Surrey. Darren Millard at the controls. Guided by David Hutchison and Kevin Woodley, leaning on the two experts in the world of goaltending. And today we are going to talk about some gear. And we will also have our feature interview with one big, great firecracker of a personality. Kimberly Sass. Uh, looking forward to that conversation in just a little bit. But uh, out of the gate, we we got some gear coming, don't we? A great time to be hanging out at the hockey shop, Woody. Yeah, and it's uh, it's that time of year, and yet not quite that time of year. Like it's not on the store shelves. It's not officially at retail, but CCM launched its customizer for the eFlex Five this week. And what not a lot of people really realize is once the customizers go live, at least in the case of CCM, and I believe the same will be the case with Bauer, once the customizers go live, that means you can actually custom order your pads. You don't just get to go on there like you do, Darren, and waste hours and hours designing a new look. You get to go through the full spec sheet and sort of pick out your specs and really build out a set of pads and gloves if you want. And where better to sort of place that order and get that process started ahead of the official retail launch than thehockeyshop.com, the hockey shop source for sports, because Cam is already well-versed in all the specs. Um, He knows and will be able to answer questions on what type of features are best going to fit your game. And because one of the key new features of the CCME Flex 5 is actually a customizable option, It's one of the ones we actually get to talk about right now, and that is active rebounds. For the first time in the history of the eFlex line, you can choose, and and of course, eFlex, Darren, as you know, it's a pad that's designed to sort of have that really flexible boot and sort of be worn maybe a little tighter to the leg. Um, It's it's a pad that's designed to sort of react with your leg in in terms of um, movement as opposed to sort of rotating around it loosely. Um, It's a pad that's always been sort of Flexible is the word I use. Some people, you know, like soft, that soft feel pad. Now you can get it with active rebounds. They've put max rebound, the ability to custom order a max rebound layer in the face of the pad so that you can have all that soft flex and feel, but you don't end up with rebounds that are sort of sitters 10 feet away from you. They're going to rock it off those pads a little more aggressively. Noticed it in Thatcher Demko right away when he broke out his E-Flex 5 um, at the start of this season. Pucks coming off and going past you know, four checkers or two-on-one rush drills. They try and go back pad for, for the rebound goal. And it's actually getting past that guy because the, the guys on the Canucks hadn't adjusted yet to how active those rebounds were. So it's a key new future, feature of eFlex 5. And you can design your set, add that feature, and order it through Cam at the Hockey Shop now. So um, we'll, we'll talk to Cam a little bit more about some of those features in the gear segment this week. But, uh, you know, just the tip of the iceberg. Exciting times, exciting things to come over the next couple of months at the Hockey Shop in terms of the new launches, and where else would you go for the information about those new launches than the Hockey Shop and thehockeyshop.com. And don't forget, Woody, that when you posted that over on social, you had a fancy new hoodie on, didn't you? What did that have to do with things? Oh, oh yeah. right. I almost forgot. I was so excited about the new Flex 5, I forgot that we're going to give away one of our new in-goal hoodies, which they're actually quite sweet and quite soft. And uh, They are? Yeah. yeah. I, sorry, Darren, we haven't sent you one yet. Uh, it's in the mail. No, no, no. They, It's really cool. Um, so yeah, we're going to... I'm impressed with it. We're going to give one away. Um, so check out our Instagram posts. We'll have more going up this week. We'll give it away by the end of the weekend. 
all you got to do, you're all out there playing on the customizer anyways, designing, working with the graphics and designing your own right now. So you might as well just post it, tag us, throw a little hashtag on there and we'll, we'll just randomly draw at the end of the weekend. Uh, somebody's going to win a hoodie. Hey, I'm allowed to like something without insinuating that you guys, uh, you know, we will anyway, everything. Okay. Like I, I, I like, I like the golf balls. I, I like the, the gear. I like all the stuff, but, uh, but the, the, that, those hoodies, they look just comfy and sporty. It looks like a hockey hoodie, yeah. like something that you just wear to the rink. And Made by our friends at CCM too. Yeah, and fresh yeah. off the presses from uh, the hockey shop in terms of the logo. And that's the other thing. Maybe we should have made this a hockey, instead of a hockey shop E-Flex 5 segment, we could have talked about their team sales. Um, that's where we go to get all sort of our in-goal logos put on hats and stuff like that. Uh, they got a great department on team sales, whether you're building a full line of jerseys, um, you know, hoodies, track suits, bags, team logos, whether it's beer league or minor hockey, make sure you check them out because they've got a massive department. It's on, it's in the same floor as Goalie Utopia, but they've got a whole wing to themselves all dedicated to team sales. So you can check out the hockeyshop.com for your team sales needs as well. Bonus read. Uh, more a more uh, intricate look uh, at the eFlex 5 coming up in our gear segment uh, brought to you by The Hockey Shop, thehockeyshop.com and Source for Sports Surrey, as well as our feature interview on the way presented by Sense Arena. But league news uh, in the National League, catching people by surprise is the change with the Montreal Canadiens and Stefan Waite, uh, no longer the goalie coach with the Canadiens, replaced by Sean Burke, who takes over as... Uh, the head of the goaltending department. Uh, surprising because of Waite's track record in the in the world of goaltending and his success with the Chicago Blackhawks and also what he's done with Carey Price, Woody. Yeah, so shocker, and, and this is a tough one for us because we know all three people involved, right? Like, like, obviously, Steph has been really good to us in terms of sharing some of the drills he runs with the Montreal Canadiens, been on the podcast, had us into the Canadiens locker room uh, in at the practice facility in Broussard. Uh, when we were in Montreal for the summer, like he's just been really good to Ingoal Magazine. And obviously, uh, a very respected, excellent goaltending coach with two Stanley Cups on his resume and a part of Carey Price's rise, you know, early in his tenure there in Montreal to, to winning a Hart Trophy and a Vesna Trophy in the same year. So nothing but respect for him, a little bit of shock and obviously sadness that, you know, that that he gets you know, he loses his job in Montreal. And then Sean, a guy who that we've known and he shared his story with us on the podcast before, a guy I've talked to, you know, back in the old days of working for Goalie News when he was resurrecting his career uh, under the the guidance of Benoit Lair in, in Arizona. And that's that's a part of this that I think is going to come to the attention more and more as time goes forward. Um, this isn't just a goalie coaching change. I'm, I'm not sure that Sean's going to go in there and say, this is the way and you have to change everything. But you're going from an outside-in philosophy and Steph, like more of a backwards flow. And we saw that in some of the drills where you start outside and you retreat a little bit with the play to Sean being that Alaire disciple, inside out, goal line out. Doesn't mean you doesn't mean everyone he works with is going to be Mike Smith or or Henrik Lundqvist, but certainly the positional philosophy is a lot different. And so it'll be interesting to see how that transpires. And in the meantime, another guy that we know, like, admire his work, and he shared it with us is the goalie coach for the next two weeks while Sean goes through quarantine. And that's Marco Marciano, whose work you can check out at ingoalmag.com for premium members. You know, he's shared a bunch of movement drills and philosophies and keys, um, you know, with him on the ice with Jonathan Bernier in the summers. A guy who, you know, a guy in Marco Marciano, Darren, who, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury could tell you all about because he worked with Flower in the summers for years and years and years. 
Um, and he's in the mix too. So it's one of those ones where, you know, opportunity for him, new role for Sean, and yet disappointment for Steph. So we're allowed to feel all those things that in Goal Magazine, each is obviously excellent in what they do. Each brings a slightly different approach and a slightly different experience and a slightly different, um, you know, history and background to this mix. And it'll be interesting to see how it works out for, for everyone moving forward. Sean Burke, it should be noted, it's been a couple of years, uh, very accomplished when it comes to working with the goaltenders and could have had like one of the great careers as a goaltending coach, but wanted to do other things. Like has for a long time had his sights set on being a general manager and backed away from the goaltending world. So this this is uh, this is not uh, left field putting Sean Burke just because he's goaltender and has been scouting uh, for Montreal. Uh, very, very, very good at what what he's been able to do with with goaltenders and working with goaltenders, but just had a, had a different priority. Well, and, and since leaving Arizona and the work he did is like, don't forget in Arizona he was more than just the goaltending coach, right? Like he was the general manager um, of of their American Hockey League team at one stretch. So, and he's had opportunities, my understanding, and turned down opportunities to be a goalie coach for other NHL teams. Like those offers have been there for him, and so this wasn't something he was looking for. Uh, obviously, this is a unique situation, a unique year. He was already under contract to the Canadians through the end of it. But also worth noting, perhaps, that as much as the in- intimation is he will be on the ice once he gets through his quarantine and working with Kerry directly, the official title, and it wasn't one that Steph had when he was there. He was the goaltending coach. The official title on Sean Burke, for as long as it lasts to the end of the contract, is director of goaltending. And so maybe in that path towards the management side, there's a way to bridge those two worlds where, um, and he was, he was Canada's 2018 Olympic general manager as well. Um, so, you know, experience on both sides and maybe a chance to bridge those worlds in, in a role that we see expanding, whether it's Luongo in Florida, uh, Jordan Sigalette in Calgary, Brian Decord in Arizona. Uh, we saw it with, with Marty Brodeur and Sean Clementson, who we had on the podcast with the New Jersey Devils. Mitch Korn, obviously, of course, the first to do this. So, you know, maybe there's a way to bridge those two things. But in the meantime, in the short term, uh, who knows, long term, maybe Sean Burke is choosing his next goalie coach. But for now, it looks like he's going to work in that capacity with Kerry. And like I said, fascinating. I mean, mid-season change. Like I said, I don't think Sean's going to go in there and say, sorry, we got to change everything you do. It's still Kerry Price. But like a very different philosophy towards goaltending and goaltending coaches between those two two guys. And to ask your your number one guy to make that switch midseason is, I'm fascinated to see how this goes. Hutch, I want you to chime in here. As Woody said, be fascinating to see this happen midseason, not just midseason, but uh, midseason in a very shortened season as Montreal feels things starting to slip a little bit here. Uh, what kind of corrections is Sean going to make? Uh, we talk often about the art of coaching, and uh, we're going to see that on full display, I think, if, if Sean's to be successful with Kerry. Um, the, you know, a great teacher understands that uh, he works with different students uh, all the time and has to treat them differently in, to, in order to get the best out of them. So here's an opportunity, you know, if you were a little bit of a skeptic, to see things um, being a little bit dangerous because, as Woody said, huge style difference in some of the guys he's worked with in the past and uh, and an organization that obviously wants to see the ship righted a little bit. Um, but he also probably is, uh, I'm sure, he is enough of a professional that he will deal with Kerry 
uh, differently than he's dealt with every other pupil he's worked with. And, uh, and that's what would ultimately lead to success. So it's going to be, as Woody said, just a, a fascinating thing. And, and guys, like how many, how many mid-season goalie coach changes have happened over the years in the NHL? It's, this is really unusual. Last one I can recall was uh, Freddie yep. Shabbat with the Edmonton Oilers, Dustin Schwartz coming in. That was like, it feels like, it feels like it wasn't long ago, but that was actually 2014. So that was seven years ago since we've had that happen. So can I just throw a couple of broad questions at you? And if you're not comfortable answering them, don't answer them. But uh, thoughts as, as I look at it from the journalistic side of things, uh, there's that, that fine line between goalie coach who's had great success uh, and the athlete who might just be in a slump and who's, who's responsible for that because athletes do slump. There's, there's highs and there's lows and the greatest coaches in the world can't rectify that. So in, in this case, I'm sort of torn about where the responsibility for the, for the Montreal Canadians situation lies. I think it's a very, I think it's fair, fair and it's interesting because you know, a new coach can come into the room, I, I mean a head coach, and be a different voice in the room, can be motivating, can get the guys to amp up the, uh, you know, how hard they're working on the ice, can make a few tweaks, but but really that emotional change to a room can make a massive difference in a hurry. But what have we said before about goaltending? It's one of the few sports in the world where you can't get better just by trying harder. You know, you can scream at a guy, you need to go and work, but you go out on the ice, that's not going to lead to positive places. So it is a very different thing. And maybe that's partly why uh, we haven't seen a lot of these mid-season changes. Because what what's he going to be able to do for Kerry, I think, is far more on the mental game. And so bringing in somebody with as an accomplished a record as, as Sean Burke, um, maybe can just help calm things down for a little bit and ride out, as you say. Yeah, you know, exactly, exactly. Um, I I think the worst thing would be a a pile of technical changes in in short order. I think letting him be himself again and feel comfortable and ride out what we're going through right now, what they're going through right now, would be the most positive thing. And that's very different than a a head coach change, Woody. Well, and the the interesting thing to me here is, is part of the formula throughout Carey's career of some of the ups and downs has been when things start to tilt a little, there was a tendency to go to aggression positionally. Now we're not talking about, and that's the thing, like when we talk about Sean and it's not even the difference between Sean and Steph, it's not even so much a technical thing as it is tactical, right? And so like, I think tactical and approach that way can almost be easier to change than technical a little bit because you're not rebuilding how you move it's just where you move to right and we've seen in the past as a matter of fact when they brought Steph Wade in Kerry had just come off and I think it was the lockout season so it was kind of like there was he to that point in his career he get to sort of parts of his season and then get a little aggressive and start chasing a little bit and the goalie coach who was there before Pierre Grew recognized this but it was hard to get Kerry to rein it back in and and that's why Steph was brought in frankly because he came with the gravita of two recent Stanley Cups and the ability to sort of be more of an authoritative figure. Now that relationship developed beyond so, sort of boss and, and pupil or, you know what I mean? Like it beyond it, it evolved into more of a, a partnership. But that was one of the thought processes. I know this from Montreal at the time in terms of the need to make that change. It was about being able to, a little bit to sort of 
dictate um, and, and have that authority to, to sort of, this is how we're going to do it. So I don't know how much of maybe over the years that, that you just needed a different voice. That certainly was the intimation you got from Mark Bergeron the other day, like that it was just time to change the voice and maybe time to change the focus and, 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 you know, between the lines from Bergevin, maybe the work rate a little bit. So, um, you know, it's it's going to be fascinating to see. At the end of the day, Darren, in terms of whose fault it is, like it doesn't matter, right? Like we don't see this very often, but only one guy's movable. Like only what, like one guy's one guy's coming to work the next day, no matter what. If you really think and believe that deeply, you need to change. There's only one guy you can change, especially in the middle of a season. Well, just tactically, technically. Mentally, like what what changed between the bubble last year, where he had them within a game of of getting to the the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs, and now where he quite frankly looked like he was crossed up on on a couple of plays, uh, where it was just with indecision or trying to make the right play at the at the right time and and got hung up. Like it was just it was it was a different looking character. And the funny thing is, there like. I'm- like we gotta eat, we gotta wear this too. Like we praise the aggression with which he played in the bubble. Like that assertive carry price and that nine thirty six carry price was an aggressive carry. Like there was, it wasn't a sit back and wait for it to come to you carry price. Like everybody noted that change in his game and praised him for it. And the that's it's that razor's edge between aggression in that case and maybe being a little aggressive positionally and getting caught out or having a little extra movement in your game as a result of being where you were on the ice at times, feeling, at least from the outside, looking like there's a little more chase in the game than we're used to, or a little anticipation that goes wrong, reading one thing and something else happens and you're caught on that early read. Like those are not, None of those things are things we associate with Kerry. And we praised that aggression on you know just a few months ago. And now we're looking at it as something that you know maybe they've made a change to try and correct. So it's, again... It's part of what we love about goaltending, right? There's never just one right answer. And, and as for all this talk, and we can look at, you know, I've got his numbers on screen goals, not just this season, but the past couple of seasons and how he manages traffic and the fact that Canadians basically put a bunch of oak trees in front of him in terms of building this giant defense. And he's a guy who looks around screens from a low wide position. He's not a guy that's looked over screens traditionally. That's been a challenge. Like he is way below statistically on screen goals this year. Like maybe that's an adjustment. But these are all things that like we can we can recognize and we can look at the technical and look at the tactical and talk about it in different philosophies. And at the end of the day, Hutch is probably right. It's just a reset mentally, and that's all it is. And that will make the difference, not all the little details that I'm trying to look for in video and statistical analysis. We know that Sean Burke is a, a accomplished uh, musician, loves strumming the old six string, so he'll be working on the Montreal Canadiens G chord uh, for the next little bit as he uh, comes out of his quarantine and takes over the goaltending uh, department with the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, other news around the National Hockey League, Alex Stalock is on the move uh, from his hometown in, in Minneapolis and in St. Paul area uh, up to Edmonton, picked up off waivers. The, is, is this the start of another carousel, by no, the way? I hope not. Well, I thought, oh, I thought we were going the other way. I thought like Eric Comrie gets out of quarantine in Winnipeg like within days from now. My assumption was Anton Forsberg goes on waivers because the Jets can put Comrie right back onto their taxi squad without clearing waivers because they're the team that lost him. I, my assumption was that Forsberg goes on waivers and he can then 
be reclaimed by Edmonton, but that might not even be the. And I thought that's what was going to happen, but that not, might not even be the right assumption because I think Forsberg went to a different team before ending up in Winnipeg. So Edmonton may not even be the first reclaim rights team, right? Because Forsberg went to Carolina and then went to Winnipeg. So Carolina, Hold on, let me get my chart out. Yeah, can we? So, so I'm not even sure. Again. So maybe that's that's part of the equation. Staylock goes on waivers. Win, uh, sorry, Minnesota didn't want to lose him, but they needed him to get him some games. Um, and obviously, you know, a two week conditioning stint wasn't going to be enough, or maybe he didn't agree to a two week conditioning stint, so they couldn't go that route. They had to put him on waivers. They lose him. Edmonton finally adds their insurance policy once he gets through quarantine. And I'll be fascinated now to see what happens to Anton Forsberg if indeed he does end up on waivers with the Winnipeg Jets. Because the Jets have, you know, one of the best hands in the NHL right now. Like, like shout out to, you know, um, Loren Brassois for his performance of late, along with Vesna Trophy winner Connor Hellebuck. And then behind them, they got Michael Burdan, who they're big on. Um, they got Eric Comrie now, and they got Anton Forsberg. Like, that's five. They probably, you know, so I'm I'm assuming Forsberg goes on waivers. So now does Minnesota? I was going to say it's Minnesota. Just, it's musical it, chairs. He's driving to Minnesota soon. Well, I mean, but Minnesota set itself up well, I think, um, in terms of being prepared and having their depth chart. They lose Staylock. Um, they already had Kakin in his sort of, you know, their next up and comer. They added Cam Talbot in the offseason. But don't forget, like in the, I believe they have Andrew Hammond already up and they running do, yeah. in the minors. Um, so like, they're not, you know, like they're not desperate having lost Alex Taylor. And that's an example of a franchise running things well, whereas Edmonton's been in a position to like desperately reach out for other people's goalies ever since losing Anton Forsberg. And listen, you want it like beyond the musical chairs and guys jumping all around and, and Alex Taylor going to Minnesota, by the way, like beloved teammate. Everybody loves this guy. So good in the room. So good in practice. Hell of a stick handler. So there wouldn't be much of a lot like a change if you go from, say, Mike Smith to him. Um, but like statistically, like people in Edmonton that think this is an upgrade on Koskinen might want to see if their heads will come out of someplace they shouldn't be. Because um, statistically, that's not the case. And from a style perspective and Having a goalie behind you who plays similarly, like Mike Smith and Koskinen, and there are similarities. Alex Stalock is like opposite world of those two guys. Like your defenseman, if they're boxing out at the top of the crease, they don't have to worry about Mike Smith or, or Miko Koskinen, but they're in Alex Stalock's way. Like that's, you have to change how you play. Like to me, that's, there's a Stalock's very, aggressive, you know, super right? aggressive. Yeah. yeah. And very like athletic and stuff. But at the Koskinen, end of the so. No, probably just as a depth chart. He's perfect in that three role because of the personality he has. But here, let's 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 spin this back before we get to our feature interviews. I want to take one look that is getting ignored around the league, and I'm going to hammer on it right now. Teams that didn't bother to get an Anton Forsberg or have a Andrew Hammond or an Alex Stalock as depth options, and are now absolutely screwing their their prospects out of a year of development because they're stuck on the taxi squad and not playing a single game. Not the ones that are moving up and down and, hey, we need to fill in here, but you're going to go back to the AHL and play. None. No. I have numbers and stats on the importance of games played in the American Hockey League for goalies on the path to the NHL, and it is damn near concrete. So to cheap out on your goaltending depth like Vancouver has and to leave Mikey DiPietro only to work with Ian Clark. And listen, I've watched that work firsthand here and, and Mikey is grinding and he is working and there's definite value to being on the ice with a goalie coach like Ian Clark as often as he is. 
But even in himself, if you were to give him truth formula, would tell you he needs to be playing right now. This kid could go 19 months between games at one of the most crucial points of his career development because they didn't want to spend on, on the depth chart and goal. And that is, that's almost unforgivable. And it hasn't got much buzz here in this market, um, but it's like, it's cardinal sin type stuff. And it's really hard to watch and it's really unfair. And it, it, maybe he'll get in some games. Maybe somebody gets hurt and he gets in some games and my, my conversation becomes moot here. But to be honest, right now, it's looking like he's just basically going to practice for almost two straight years. Mitch Korn said it best, and I'm going to screw this up like I always do. Goalie is not a game of shots. Um, what is it? Beer pong is a game of shots. Goalie is a game of patterns. And the only way to recognize those patterns and connect the, connect the dots on those patterns to get better as a goalie for all the technical work that we talked about is to play the game. And to take away 19 months of playing the game from a prospect as good and as diligent as Mikey DiPietro is, like I said, it's it's unforgivable. And they're not the only ones. There's a few other ones around the league. But this is all about just not, hey, we don't want to have a, we don't want to have, we don't want to pay to have a depth chart guy. I know it's, I know it's a different situation. I was just going to say, I know it's a different situation, obviously, Woody, and it's a pros- prospect management issue at the National Hockey League level. But you're speaking to every goalie parent on the planet right now, pretty much. Um, at least those, those families that aren't able to get their kids on the ice right now for games. And I mean that from minor hockey right up to the Ontario Hockey League where they're not playing right now, to the Western Hockey League having just gotten approval, to British Columbia Hockey League, which can't get back on the ice right now. And we've got kids in their last year of eligibility to try and get a scholarship. It, it's not excusing it's- at all, but it's an interesting and to me mirror for what's happening for so many people right now, unfortunately. And, and, and my heart goes out to them and I realize it's not ideal. And so they maybe hear me railing on an NHL guy, not having that opportunity when their kids are all going through it. And honestly, I totally agree. Like it's going to be tough for a lot of those kids. And I, and I feel for them. The difference is the NHL teams had a choice. No, that's what I said. And they made no, no, hundred percent. It's just an interesting parallel because that's what a lot of people are facing. And it's, and especially with major junior hockey recently, it's it's absolutely been in the news recently. Um, the importance for these kids and what's going to be the response so that they can, even for the NHL, it makes a difference because there's been a lot of talk about what's going to happen with the draft as well because what do we really know about prospect development at that 17-year-old level right now? Yeah, fascinating time, guys. But we, we had this debate before the season started. What would teams do with that third position? Would you put the prospect in there and work with the goalie coach all year, or would you bring in a veteran and let the prospect play? And I, I don't know whether we had a, a, like a definitive, this one's better than that because of the, the benefits, but the, if you're going to work with the goalie coach, the number one goalie coach all year, you have to make a sacrifice, and that's, and that's playing games. And the risk is that you become one of those like, oh, goalie school goalies where you're super technical, but you don't get to get the game experience and the other side is you play the games but you don't have that one-on-one focus with with the top nine don't forget that one little tweak to what we were talking about darren some teams particularly those in the united states are going to be able to have their cake and eat it too you know oscar dansk has been up with with vegas yeah. and he's gone down to play some games because there's no quarantine issues there but for the canadian teams especially the canucks who have their farm team in the united states you don't have that free movement. I, I bet you they'd love to have Mikey DiPietro go down and play some games, but then they lose him for two weeks on the way up. 
It's only two teams that have that problem yeah. in Canada. It's Edmonton and Vancouver. Yeah. Calgary brought their American Hockey League team up, spent the money, brought them up to Calgary so that they wouldn't have this problem. So again, listen, listen, they're not the only ones, and I know this is not a perfect world, but other teams faced with the same thing found better solutions for the long. Think of what you have invested in your goaltending and think of making this decision knowing what it would cost that prospect in terms of that development, especially as a, like this could be the difference between Michael DiPietro as an example in this. I, I hate to keep hammering on it because I feel like I'm just hammering on the Canucks, but this is the one I see the most. But if this is the difference between having him up and ready and up and running and ready to be in the National Hockey League a year from now versus two or three. And again, there are a lot of numbers that would support without those games played that path and that being ready is absolutely going to be delayed and it's they're sort of they're sort of firm there are there aren't a lot of there are very few that escape that variable have to be nimble uh and if you're not uh you're uh, a little bit uh stiff but you know sometimes that can be good like in in pads right you can you can be nimble and you can be stiff and you can put them together it's like a Reese's peanut butter cup it's it's awesome that's what we have with the eflex 5 right now the new eflex 5 as we uh, send you over to the hockey shop the hockeyshop.com source for sports story our gear segment here is Woody hanging out with Cam with some great news. Welcome back to the Hockey Shop Source for Sports. We're down here in Goalie Utopia, surrounded by all this goalie goodness, and of course by Cam Matwiv as well. Uh, you can find them, obviously, here in, in, in the lower mainland in Vancouver, Hockey Shop Source for Sports, but online at thehockeyshop.com. And it is an exciting day here in Goalie Utopia because. At long last, new product 2021 is like to me, the calendar doesn't officially turn until we can talk about the new product. And we've obviously seen it and we knew it was coming. We work with the manufacturers, but now we can share at least a little, maybe not all, but a little of the details with you. The eFlex 5 customizer is live. You can go to the customizer right now and design your own set. And I should say, check out the uh, Instagram uh, page for InGoal to find out how you can win one of our new hoodies um by designing and entering your set hey hey hey! but we're talking about eflex 5 here okay okay not, not your sweaters i like my sweater but let's talk about something cool and important well how about how about something cool like designing your own set and winning a sweater we'll go with that so plug the best part about new gear and the customizer not a lot of people realize when the customizer launches you can order a custom set and i'm trying to think of where you might do that like where where this guy is the guy to help you. Now, me. all those details that are on the customizer, we're gonna go over a few here. But if you wanna find more information, if you wanna start an order process yourself, you gotta contact Cam at the hockey shop. Where would they get you, Cam? 604-589-8299. We'll get the 1-800 number later, but first let's go over some of the quick features. We won't go through them all. You'll find them on the customizer itself and you can call Cam for more information. But just the pad and the look and how it's changed. Obviously, the first thing we notice, Cam, is flat knee rolls um the thought process behind that i think eflex 5 is a product that that eflex 5 uh, sort of ccm customers have always wanted knee rolls on but by flattening them out instead of having them rounded we're essentially in, in improving rebound control no correct yeah so it's this actually something we, we've done with uh, our, our source exclusive pads before in the past is that flattened out knee roll uh, a little bit more uh, predictability in those rebounds. Uh, rather than that deadening effect, you get a little bit more directable um, predictability with it. 
Um, consistency. Exactly, consistency. And in addition to the shape of the knee roll changing, many of you noticed probably already in some of the posts we've had featuring NHL goalies like Jacob Markstrom and Thatcher Demko in their new Eflex 5 that one of these things is not like the other on these knee rolls. We've got a new molded, foam molded knee roll in the middle section that sort of is independent of the other two where this is your typical sort of sewn on um, fabric. Uh, with graphics, this is actually a solid foam molded one piece knee roll. Now, outside of the shape and keeping it flat for that, that flat knee roll consistency of rebound, there's not like there's not a real performance function here. This is just this is a new look and aesthetic as much as anything, at least so far that we know of. That we know of, but I'll tell you what, I like to be a tease, and we can talk about that in another video. Let's move on. Okay, the so big one. When we talk about customizer and custom options with the Eflex 5, I be honest with you, I think the biggest change from Eflex 4 is one of the customizable options. And you can't see it. You can feel it, and you will see it in terms of rebounds, but you can't visually see it, and that's the addition of the max core option. So what that means is, is essentially speaking, we can get a soft flex pad, but we're still having that hard pack rebound. Um, it is an additional option on the customizer. Um, Again, if you have questions about it, this is your man to talk to. Uh, this is something that I highly recommend checking out. Um, you've seen it. If you look closely at a couple of the NHL guys, and just in terms of how those rebounds are coming off those CCM You noticed pads. it right away when Thatcher Demko was on the ice the first time. Didn't know he'd ordered this as his custom spec, the max rebound, uh, instead of the stock control rebound that comes in typically in a CCM E-Flex pad. And they've got a new foam on the control rebound side too um, that should help sort of make it more reactive to hard shots for longer rebounds and dead and soft shots. But if you just want active rebounds all the time for the first time ever, it's offered in this. And he noticed it right away watching Demko on the ice. It's like, that's gotta be a max rebound. Checked in with the pro rep. Sure enough, that was the spec he ordered. And now you can order it too. Exactly, exactly. And you know, this that itself though, the E-Flex pad still trades true in the E-Flex 5 to like the older E-Flexes. They still have that soft, flexible boot. They have, stiffened the, the upper portion of the pad just a little bit more in this configuration. In that particular. was a spec that they heard from their NHL guys over the years that they were trending towards soft boot, more of that flat fit, you know, flexible fit and feel down there, but a stiffer construction through the thigh rise. And that's now what you get in the E-Flex 5. Perfect. So like I said, a quick overview. We can definitely get more into this another time, but for the sake of time, you should be customizing your set. Winning you your hoodie. Right now. And then contacting Cam on how to order it yourself. But really an exciting time. Like for the first time ever, we have a soft traditional feeling E-Flex CCM pad with a sort of modern active rebound. And that's exciting times. It's available on the customizer. It's not just about customizing your graphics and how you work with the, mold, the new foam molded knee roll. It's about being able to dial in your specs the same way the NHL guys do. And once you get to that point, make sure you give Cam a call at the number. 604-589-8299. And the 1-800 number. Hold on. Yeah, 1-800-567-7790. Uh, 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 I thought you memorized my I did. It was just back here. Yeah, that's where you memorized it, behind the coat. Anyways, make sure you memorize that number because that's where you call to get your, get your hands and get some more questions. Uh, answers on the blocker, the glove. There's been some, some modifications there that Cam can walk you through if you contact him directly. Uh, Eflex 5, customizers live. Go design your own and then order it from the hockey shop and thehockeyshop.com.
Cam and Woody hanging out at the hockey shop. I love it. Uh, a little bit. You talk about being nimble. Uh, Cam, I thought he was going right over the back of the, the skate fitting bench when he was reaching for the 1-800 number there. And for those that have seen the video, and check it out on YouTube because it's really a great look at the Eflex 5 uh, new pad. And number two, you got to check it out because I'm curious. You put the little blur in when Cam reached behind and Hutch, you're the, uh, the video editor. Was there really uh, an exposure there and Cam's I don't, All I can say is I enjoy poking a little fun at Cam every week where I can, and uh, <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. We've got to make sure that the head will fit through the door of the hockey shop gold department. So every once in a while, you got to put a needle in that balloon. Yeah, we, balance Boy, is important he... in goaltending, so i got to come for Woody on there one day too, so be careful, Woody. How about the Mohawk turn? Like he had that going on too with the the feet heel to heel going on with the posture too. That's another thing that I that I picked up on. Aren't, aren't we the uh, the the most brilliant people in the world? Uh, accent color. Here's my my new observation: silver should be part of every accent color that you pick uh, when you design your your pads because it just it fits with almost every sweater jersey design, even if you don't have silver in your in your primary colors or anything like that it just it just manages to blend it's a good call just watching that video i thought it's in our logo it's in our logo on the new hoodies oh right wow and those hoodies uh got some good play there uh woody yep i was wearing my hoodie and so um you can wear one too just have to enter your eflex 5 set on instagram tag us in it whatever you design on the new eflex 5 customers there tag us in it and we'll uh we'll draw at the end of the weekend for a hoodie and like the video on YouTube. Uh, let us know what you think. Uh, how, do, how do you find the, the YouTube video? I, I know, but I'd like you to describe. Well, the easiest way is to simply go to ingoalmag.com. And the first post up there right now, and it'll be near the top, and it'll also be with the podcast post, uh, has a link to the video, has it embedded there. And, uh, and I'll remind everybody, every time we have a gear segment, every time we have a, uh, a podcast, those are freely open on Ingoal, not just for our members. Although occasionally we uh, have some extras from podcasts for our members. Uh, but you can also go to YouTube and you can just search for In Goal Mag or In Goal Media. Both will, will bring up our page. We'd love it if you gave it a thumbs up. We'd love it if you'd comment on it. Uh, and just let us know what we need. Hey, I discovered uh, a great goaltending story in Vegas this week. Before we get to our feature interview. Know. Yes. Uh, and it's not Marc-Andre Fleury. It's not okay. Robin Leonard. It is Mark Stone. Captain of the Vegas Golden Knights. I uh, had him on the Chirp interview, and he told me that when he started playing hockey in Winnipeg, he begged, demanded, pleaded with his dad that he be allowed to play goal the first time because he loved the gear. And, uh, okay. and he and his brother, Michael, uh, who's two years older, plays in the National Hockey League, they always fought over who got to play goal when they played street hockey. So when Mark started playing actual hockey, he really wanted to play goal. Did it the first time and said, never again. <laughs> he wanted to be part of the action. But Mark Stone actually started out uh, in the National Hockey League as a goaltender. So I thought that was uh, kind of a Where cool. are people going to find that interview? Uh, that's on uh, podcasts, so through Apple, through Spotify, and through YouTube, through the NHL uh, YouTube channel. So it's uh, it's kind the of, chirp the, the chirp podcast with Darren Lush. That was a, that was a cool. It thing. explains uh, why he's one like, of the best. What? You want you wanted to play goal? That's crazy, but it also explains why he's one of the best defensive forwards in the National Hockey League, if not the best. So that uh, you know, we we like 
We like players that understand the plight of the goaltender. They tend to be better at taking care of us. Yes, we love you're, them. You're right about that. Too, he wanted to. He he liked playing goal, but he wanted to be uh, in the action, and that's he's he's in the action all the time. Two hundred foot player, uh, right in the middle of the action. Some great things going on with the professional uh, women's uh, hockey players association as uh, they are uh, making leaps and bounds. And this week's feature interview. It brought to you by Sense Arena is with uh, Kimberly Sass. And I mentioned off the top that uh, just a just a firecracker, isn't she, Woody? Yeah, and just a, it was a it was a good chance with with the games going on at MSG last week. And it would have been ideal if we could have done it a little earlier and got her queued up before the games. Um, but coming out of them, just a great chance to talk to her uh, about where where the PWHPA is at in terms of their efforts and some of the experience she's had trying to balance her career as an architect with her career as a goaltender and and her work on the board, board there with uh, the PWHPA in terms of trying to, to, to help this organization and women's sport take another step in hockey like they did at MSG, but make that, you know, make that the norm as opposed to, to a one-off or uh, every, you know, once a month type of thing. They've got some more events coming up, but it was just good to connect with her and sort of get a feel for the state of it. But also her, you know, I mean, this is, her passions as a goaltender, how she balances them. This is someone who basically grew up uh, on the same street as Dominic Hasek. She talks about that and her roots in yeah, Buffalo. Wild. And yeah, so just uh, just a really enjoyable conversation that ties in a little bit to the timing of uh, the game in MSG and some more games coming up on their Dream Gap Tour. You know, and a lot of exciting things on the women's hockey side right now. From the ground up, there's a solid base uh, there, and they have uh, designs on making it bigger and better. Here is the architect. Hey, just before we get to that, guys, um, I just want to thank Sense Arena for their support and uh, for bringing these feature interviews to us. Sense Arena, as everybody knows, is the virtual reality training system for goaltending. It's one that has taken the game to a completely different level off ice. It is so realistic. One of the things um, that I think people aren't quite aware of when they first come into it is that it's a subscription software model. So you're getting your virtual reality headset, you're, you're getting the controllers, you're getting the, uh, the sleeves that attach the controllers to your, to your gloves, but you're paying monthly for the software. And, and one of the reasons you're doing that is because uh, the team over at Sense Arena is constantly developing um, the system. And you'll pull on your headset and there's going to be some major updates that come uh, several times a year, but there's also going to be some minor tweaks that just get pushed over onto your headset from time to time to improve that experience at all times. And, uh, you know, they might be a big thing like adding a training plan to give you a new sequence of things to start working through. Uh, it might be just a small tweak, like we put the headset on the other day and we're like, oh, look, there's a, there's a rink board ad for goalietrainingpro.com for uh, Maria Mountain, who's been a great friend of ours on the show for years. Um, to, I kid you not, guys, Maddie came in the other day having uh, put the headset on, and he said, I think they added a new sound. I got hit in the head, and I could hear it this time. Um, it's so realistic that, uh, that they're always working to improve that experience for you. And that's one of the things that I really enjoy. It's not just one static drill. It's not just a collection of drills that you're using. But Sense Arena gives you opportunities to improve your game off the ice that translate on the ice. And that experience is evolving every day. Uh, so thank you to Sense Arena for, for supporting uh, In Goal and the feature interview, Kevin. 
Yeah, one more quick one. Uh, right now, if you uh, buy the Sensorina program, our, they've combined with some of our friends from the Goalie Guild, Mike yeah, Valley, former Dallas Stars goalie coach. Um, those who have been reading and following along in Ingold Premium and IngoldMag.com have noticed the excerpt series we've been running um, with The Power Within 2, the book by Justin Goldman of the Goalie Guild, and Mike Valley, some great sort of mental advice from the careers of of top goaltenders in the National Hockey League, as well as uh, Professional Women's uh, Hockey League with Nora, uh, some coaches coming up as well. And you can get a copy of that free when you subscribe and, and buy into Sense Arena right now. So a special offer right now. Make sure you check it out both at Sense Arena's website as well as through the Goalie Guild uh, and his pages as well in social media. And I actually heard that, uh, I don't know whether you guys confirm this, but uh, you actually perform better when you're going through the Sense Arena program and the workout with a uh, in-goal sweatshirt uh, hoodie on. Is that true? We're setting this up so hard as if we're about to be selling these things. And we've had a few people message us. How can I get one of those hoodies I saw in the video? They're not for sale. We oh. haven't even figured that part out. Oh. We just got a bunch of hoodies and and uh, I have no idea what the plan is. But one of the plans for sure is that one reader is going to be able to get one if they uh, put in their eFlex 5 design through Instagram. See, I just wanted to confirm that. That's all I, that's all I was saying there. Jeez, I don't know why that's, you went on the whole sale thing. We would never beat it like a dead horse around no, here, would no, we? No, never, never. Uh, like uh, like uh, most architects, uh, you got to change your plans uh, on the fly. So now we'll get back to Kimberly Sass on our feature interview presented by Sense Arena on In Goal Radio, the podcast. Kimberly Sass, who's joining us uh, from Manhattan, from New York. Actually, I'm joining you from Buffalo, New York, working for my from New York Manhattan. City architecture firm. Remote see, this work. Is, yep. See, this is the world we live in. It's all different. So joining <laughs> us, okay, from upstate New York, the brick walls in the background, our audience won't be able to see that, but I can. It is perfect because she, as her profile says, brick wall on the ice is a goalie making brick walls or, or making walls sometimes from brick as an architect. Thanks for joining us. Um, want to get into the background, your role, your role um, with uh, the Professional Women's Hockey Players Association, uh, your career as an architect, how you have to balance it, like so many things. But let's <laughs> so many start. things going on all the time. So many yeah. things. And I don't know how you balance it all, frankly, but which is kind of part of the point. You shouldn't have to. But let's start. Let's, let's, let's rewind. I want to know how Kimberly Sass became a goaltender growing up in Buffalo. Okay. Like I can think of some, I know there's some influences there that uh, some famous influences, but your dad, like how, how, what drew you to the position? That's always where we start. So I, I started just ice skating, um, as a child when I was probably like three, um, I have a, an older sister, two years older. So, um, my parents would take us just ice skating. Um, my dad actually played hockey. He was a goalie. He played, um, uh, in high school. And then he, he would oftentimes, he knew the rink manager, um, at a local rink here and, um, lucky enough, he, he got to skate with some injured NHL players. And he mentioned, um, now that Haley Skimura is my teammate, he said, Oh, I actually had a chance to skate with her father <laughs> back in the day. So, um, he, I think in the back of his mind, he was kind of like hoping or wondering what it would be like if his daughters played hockey. So 
Um, we tried, my sister and I tried, um, figure skating first, actually. Um, probably just because there was like a lack of girls hockey in, in the area at that time. Um, so we both tried it. I don't think I really loved it. I remember toe picking a lot, like most, um, hockey players say when they switched. Um, and a, one uh, local coach of a girls team that played in a boys league um, approached us at the rink after figure skating practice and kind of was like poaching figure skaters to come transfer over to the, to the world of ice hockey. So um, we immediately said, sure, why not? So um, we play, I played one year for the Amherst, um, Amherst youth hockey, uh, on the girls team that played in the boys league. Um, we were the mighty ducks jerseys and, um, I initially started out, we all kind of started out skating and rotating the goalie position. Um, but <laughs> I think I was awful at center. So they were <laughs> like, why don't you go to the net Kim? So. I was like, okay. So I liked all the fancy equipment, um, thought I was special. So tried it on, um, loved it. And ever since I tried it that first time, I was just the permanent goalie that year. Um, so my dad, uh, fortunate enough that he was goalie. So he worked with me since I was seven to, you know, when I went to college and we still talk about like games and practices and stuff to this day. So Okay, so dad was cool with it because not all not all parents as goaltenders necessarily want their kids to become goaltenders. We have this conversation with a lot of retired goaltenders right now. It's not always where they want them to go, but it sounds like it was cool with dad on this one. Yeah, I think my mom gets stressed out when she watches me play, so I don't know if that was her preference, but <laughs> uh, yeah, they were both pretty supportive about us playing hockey in general. Um, so after that first year, then I switched to the Buffalo Bisons program. We, all the girls from that team kind of like left that Amherst organization and switched to the girls pro travel program there. Um, and we played a lot of Canadian teams, um, for tournaments. Like I remember the Stony Creek tournament was huge back then. Um, and what else? So then Another highlight of my youth career was when I got to play um, on a team. They were called like Team Mission or something because I we were sponsored by Mission. But Mano Rayum was the coach, um, and we went to that Quebec tournament um, when I was twelve. Um, nice. It was like all stars were selected from all over the U.S. to play on this team that would play against the boys in that tournament. So I think growing so the, up, I just... Is that like, the Peewee tournament? Like the Quebec yeah. Peewee tournament? You Wow, okay. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, my dad and I and my other teammates and their um, fathers went up and we got to experience like dog sledding and the ice, the carnival there. It was so cool. So now you've got... Your dad's helping you coach. You got him as sort of a mentor role model. You got Manon Riom who broke through so many barriers for, for yeah. women's hockey as a goaltender. You're growing up in Buffalo. You've got some guy named Hashik who's pretty good at the position. Um, he was actually my neighbor in my neighborhood, believe it or not. <laughs> see, it's all these the ties. Clock. 
So who was the mentor? Like, what? Like, did you grow up like wanting to be Manon Rayom? Did you grow up like like wanting to play like your dad, or was it Dom? Like, or was it just everyone? Like, was there when if you went out and played street hockey, who were you? I never really like wanted to be anyone. If if that makes sense, I just I think my dad had the most influence on me because we were always on the ice together. Um, but I still remember watching like the Dallas Buffalo game, like having my Dallas jersey or my um. Sabre jersey on and rooting for Dominic Hasek. So I always, I feel like I grew up not, not necessarily thinking that there was anything I couldn't do. Like, I don't think I was aware that, um, like women's sports was in the position that it was that not many girls had the opportunity to play. I was just in this bubble of everything was just, you know, I was just heads down focused on like just playing and having fun and getting better. So. It wasn't until like, not until I got into professional hockey that I realized, whoa, we have a long ways to go because college hockey was actually amazing compared to professional hockey. And four years at Colgate, just for our listener. Yes. So um, I also played on our, my, um, I went to public high school. So the year after I graduated, they started the girls uh, hockey in high school program, but, um, I played on the boys JV and varsity teams in addition to the girls travel team in high school. And then, yep. Went to Colgate university, studied art and geography, played hockey there. I won three ECAC awards my first year, my freshman year. So that was an amazing experience to be a part of, um, set some school records. Yep. Yeah. I gave a speech. my, my parents and coaches, um, went to the the banquet and I gave a speech about accepting the awards as a freshman. I was like, Oh God, I'm a little nervous here <laughs> in front of, I think it was like Dartmouth and Harvard, uh, players. No problem standing back there, stopping pucks, being the focus, being the last line of defense, but put me yeah. up on the stage. That's a, that's a process. Eh? That's something I, I definitely have improved on, um, with practice, but, um, I think that was like one of my first, you know, big speeches that I had to give. So I prepped you for some some later TV stuff uh, yeah. that we'll get into in a minute. But th- I got to rewind for a sec. If I don't pull on the hashtag thread, there are a lot of people that are going to be going, how the hell do you do not follow that up? What kind of an interview are you, Woodley? Neighbor, Dominic Hashtag's your neighbor. Do you ever get tips? So his son, Michael, and I, we you know, we would play like capture the flag and we would all hang out. Um, we'd play street hockey, but I never did get an autograph, which I'm kind of sad about. <laughs> <laughs> More importantly, so Michael, did you get any Michael tips? Or Dom, if you're listening, send me one. <laughs> We're on it. We're on it. Power, power of in goal radio. Um, so now through college and then you know, decisions, uh, you, you start, uh, with the Buffalo Buttes 15, 16, but leave to kind of finish and go into architecture or, or yes. you walk me through that decision, that path. And the fact you had to make that decision, sure. um, as an athlete. So in 2012, I graduated from Colgate. Um, some of my teammates chose like go and play in Europe. Um, I know the CWHL was, um, around, but, um, I'm not sure if they were even getting paid at that point. And going to Europe 
it seemed to be more about the experience, overall experience of traveling and getting to play still. So after talking with my parents and um, just deciding what was best for my future and, you know, stability as an adult now, um, I decided to move home to Buffalo, attend the university at Buffalo for my master's of architecture, which was a three and a half year program after I just finished four years college. So that was just like jumping right into that was a lot (laughs) right at once. Um, And so I, I I did that. Um, I had a couple of internships actually met Danny Ryland, um, the previous commissioner of the NWHL in uh, New York city during one of my internships for architecture there. Um, during grad school, I think it was like 2014. Um, and she, you know, I've heard, I heard whispers of that, you know, the a league was in the mix. Um, so I think that that automatically made me start working out a little bit harder after like sitting at my architecture desk at grad school, like drawing and drinking tons of coffee all the time. Um, so that kind of woke me up a little bit, gave me a little spark of energy. So 2015, I was 25 at the time, now 30. So I just never thought that I was done after college. And it was, it was like really bothering me that I, there were, I just felt like there was nowhere to go, nowhere to keep playing at a high level. I would play beer league hockey, pickup hockey. And I'm, I, I've come to realize that I hate pickup beer league hockey because no one plays defense. And I just get so mad <laughs> when I play that. So I feel like I need there, to be- There are a lot of goalies listening to this that are like like I am right now, just nodding their heads. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> it's just so different. Um, so I was definitely missing it. So I'm very grateful that I um, had a chance to play 2015-16 with the Buttes, but I also was balancing finishing- my thesis for architecture from that was a fall semester till about January was when I, January, February was when I finished that. And then I went right into working full time because our salaries weren't enough to support us. Um, so went right into working full time at a local firm after I graduated with my master's that was like mid season. So it was just nonstop grinding, working out, skating, finishing stuff for either school or work. So um, after that season, I think I reached out to Buffalo and New York, the New York Riveters, um, to see to gauge interest in playing the next year. They said they had already um, had goalies interested for, um, starting in second string positions. So at that point I just felt like being a third string goalie, um, only to have to work this hard, you know, off the ice to support myself wasn't a decision that I wanted to pursue. So I took the year off. I still, still felt like I wasn't done, (laughs) but so this is now my first second retirement <laughs> that I had to come out of. So then 20, 2016, no, 17, 18. Is that correct? Anyways, the third season in the NWHL, 
I get a call from the coach of um, the Metropolitan Riveters in New York and they need a second string goalie. So I was like, yep, sign me up. (laughs) I can't pass down like an opportunity to play competitively still because I miss it. Um, And I already know that I like New York City. Um, I had done an internship there, but yeah, I had to, within two weeks, I had to quit my job, apply to like millions of firms so that I would get answers within two weeks to get accepted to work at a firm there. And I also had to leave my boyfriend and dog been dating for like, I think two, two and a half years before I made that decision to like pursue my passions basically. Um, still are together now, but, um, that was huge too. Like had to literally uproot my entire life to go make this work and drive all my stuff, go to Ikea by myself, like literally everything had to do within like two weeks. Cause they're like, Oh, can you be at practice at X date? That's in like, literally I'm like, you guys, I don't even have a job yet, <laughs> but I did it managed to do it. Um, so played for the ribs for two years. Um, and I don't know how much you have known about, you know, the frustrations behind why we formed the PWHPA, but, um, our third year we won the Isabel cup. Um, that was a cool, cool experience to be a part of loved our coach. Our team got along. Awesome. Um, fourth year, it kind of went in the opposite direction, um, in terms of what we all were getting paid. Um, just, everything. (laughs) So not to, not to go on and on about that, but, um, well, no, let's like, well, let's, that's, that's a transition to, you know, that's to the professional women's hockey player association. And you're a part of the board of directors, um, you know, in, in large part because of all these things and trying to grow things to the place where you don't have to do what you went through to be able to continue playing hockey. So just catch us up on your role with that and, and you know, where it's at. The game this weekend in Madison Square Gardens is a big stage. You've played at MSG before in a charity game. Um, so like just, just maybe just catch us up on that and where you think the state is. I know it's a big, broad mm-hmm. question, but, you know, where everything is at and what the next steps are and are we, are we getting there? Are we getting to the point where the next generation, Kimberly, doesn't have to make the types of decisions and sacrifices career and and life wise, or just frankly, no sleep wise to pursue Mm -hmm. hockey. Yeah. So in 2019 after, um, so that would have been the fifth year of the NWHL and that was right after the CWHL Canadian women's hockey league folded. Um, many of the, national team players were at worlds actually when that happened. So they all were kind of um, speaking with each other and trying to figure out a, a game plan. Cause that's hundred hundreds of players in Canada now without a place to play. And I think that also sparked, you know, players to reassess what, how they thought, professional women's hockey was going in, um, the United States. So, and I think 
the the fourth year, the Buffalo Buttes were privately owned. I think that made a huge difference in those um, players' experiences of that year. But um, many of the other teams were not owned, and many of us had um, completely different experiences. So, so many times in in any CWHL or NWHL, we were struggling to find someone who has like white tape to tape our sticks. Or um, I, I've said this before um, in an interview, but um, the we don't have the resources like you know NHL players. Like I don't think anyone really knows this. I'm actually working on an art show um, to try to bring some of this, some of these experiences to light that many of the fans and the public might think it's all, you know, shiny, pretty roses, but it's not, <laughs> and it, you know, we have a long way to go. So you're buying your own gear. There's not enough of, there's not a living wage, all those to things. put it in perspective. My fourth year, I made around $3,000, but I paid probably about 2000 in equipment bills and tolls and driving throughout you know, the tri-state area is expensive. Um, we actually didn't have our ice set up properly for practices the fourth year. So we were driving. I was driving from Brooklyn to work, parking at work, picking up my other teammate who worked at Morgan Stanley, driving to through the tunnel to New Jersey deep into New Jersey, probably like an hour, hour and a half with traffic at that point to make like a eight or nine o'clock practice. Then driving, dropping off my equipment sometimes at the rink in Newark, then driving the entire way home to Brooklyn and not finding a parking spot because of the time I got home. (laughs) So um, eventually moved to New Jersey um, to be closer. But um, yeah, we were not thrilled that the the practices, you know, the ice time wasn't secured at Barnabas, which was our home rank. It was kind of all over the place in the beginning of the season. Um, another, another example, our captain went to a farm supply store and bought a Rubbermaid horse trough, like literally a livestock tank, two of them, to bring into our locker room so that we had something to fill up with lukewarm shower water and sometimes we would take snow from the ice to replicate a somewhat of a cold tub situation after practices and have to like you know dump the water out into the shower after you know we do we don't have the facilities that the nhl players do even even college players have it better than that yeah no that's that's uh that's that's far from ideal to say the least so like where do you think we're at like in terms of, you know, next strides and, and, and getting to something that's better, something that's, like you said, livable wages and, and facilities that, you know, are actually reflective of the talent and the passion and the skill that, you, you know, that, that you and your teammates are bringing mm-hmm. to this. Um, so it's in year two of the PWHPA um, Dream Gap Tour year two. Um, the first year, I think we made huge progress, um, within one year's time. Um, Adidas was huge in the first year, um, coming on board Bauer and we got new and the NHLPA, we got numerous, um, 
NHL team stepping up to host um, certain Dream Gap Tour stops. We have Billie Jean King and her partner Alana on board as consultants. We have Ballard Spar, the law group, helping us out, um, guiding us. Um, they were on board with the U.S. women's soccer, um, like equal pay stuff. So very experienced people on our side. Um, and so this year, um, secret deodorant stepped up with a million dollars and part of that's going to the player prize pot this year. So that's a step in the right direction, at least where we have, um, monetary prizes that, um, will be awarded after each, uh, dream get tour weekend. So players can win money. If their team wins, there's a whole new um, like point structure. If you go to pwhpa.com, um, there's an article about that. And part of the, the million dollar uh, investment is um, going towards helping the marketing and paying for um, any like broadcast costs and stuff like that too. So, so recently, um, if you guys follow along, the New York Rangers announced our first U.S. Uh, Dream Get Tour stop. It's actually this weekend. So I'm on Team New Hampshire, which now is called Team Women's Sports Foundation. So Billie Jean King's um, foundation uh, is our sponsor for our team. So my teammates will be playing Team Adidas, which is the Minnesota region. So because of the border closed due to COVID, the U.S. teams will kind of be playing each other a bunch of times um, at our U.S. Uh, like NHL team ranks, basically. And the hope is that the border opens up so that the winner of the U.S. teams playing each other can eventually play the winner of the Canadian team's events. So some, so it's starting to like more like there's a little spit more structure there and as a rather than just sort of last year felt like a little more just barnstorming and, and showcasing that way. There's actually, it's not quite a, an official league structure, but plans to sort of have teams, you know, with something on the line moving towards a finish. One line. of the, the main comments from or feedback from players last year was that they felt like they needed some more structure and, you know, it definitely helps playing with the same people on the same lines when you go into tournaments. While it was fun playing with, you know, people that you've never played with before. Um, you know, I just met uh, Maddie Rooney for the first time this year. Um, so in Tampa, the training camp. So that was cool. But um, I think the players really appreciate having some structure this year. So um, that was what we... And a little juice yeah. too, right? Play for something. That's why we. That's why exactly. we want to be the last some, line of defense. That you got to have that competition. Some team There's got to be some juice. Yep. Exactly. Well, that's okay. So those are all positive yeah. steps. Um, I wanted. I wanted to ask you a little bit, like, um, not to move away from that, but what the things you've balanced and the messages you're trying to deliver. Uh, you know, in in terms of women's sport, uh, and in terms of professional women's hockey, and the need to make it something that you know, isn't a hobby that, that doesn't put you out or cost you, you know, career or life opportunities to pursue that, you know, it's, I mean, at times it sounds like it's almost pay to play as much as you are getting paid. That's, you know, it's essentially not enough to cover even costs. Um, but you've also gotten inv involved with other organizations. Um, if yeah. then, 
uh, you know, you know, working, you know, with, with STEM, with you know, science, tech, engineering, and mathematics for opportunities for women. How have those two, you know, as somebody who's gone into architecture, those two worlds collided in a way? Um, do you see similarities between the push for those opportunities in other industries like STEM? And what you're pushing for, you know, as a board member with PWHPA, like, are there, is there an intersection there that you Yeah, see? absolutely. I think we're fighting for the same thing in both. So, um, if then's in a nonprofit organization, um, Lida Hill, uh, philanthropy, um, founded this organization, they selected 125 females, um, in, in, with STEM careers. Um, so I was selected for that, um, kind of portraying the idea that you don't have to fit into, you know, one mold or into, you know, traditionally female career paths. So with hockey and with architecture, um, both are traditionally male dominated. So I think, you know, getting, trying to get more female faces in the media for STEM careers. Like girls need to see that they can be these things or else they don't even know that they exist. You know, if neither of my parents played hockey, I'm not sure if I would have even like known there was a girls travel hockey program in my area, you know? So if it's on TV though, (laughs) it's, if it's in the media, if people cover women's pro sports, if, you know, people have access to, um, TV shows like CBS mission unstoppable that I was on where they highlight, um, females in STEM careers, um, you know, airing at a time where youth girls typically watch TV, they can turn the TV on and see, oh my goodness, that is such a cool career path. Um, And then another thing, I've gone on so many job interviews. I'm so sick of being interviewed in the architecture field by all males and them looking at my resume and saying professional hockey. Some responses are, so when are you going to (laughs) quit? Or do you get paid for that? Or just having to explain the time commitment and, and just admitting to myself saying to them that this is more like a part-time commitment and it, it won't interfere with work, but it should damn well interfere with work because this, that should be, you know, a, a whole full-time job in and of itself. It's like we're squeezing a full-time job commitment into a part-time job commitment on top of your other full-time job. So yes, there's a lot to change. <laughs> <laughs> while you're while you're you're working towards it like you're the you know it's good for you to be involved and get involved that way i'm curious i gotta i gotta ask like so from art to architecture and you talked about the gear and the passion for like i think like there are a lot of goalies we talked to it's the passion for goaltending starts with the gear right the cool yeah. gear. Do you see any, like the way your mind works in terms of whether it's artistic views or the more structured world of architecture where that intertwines sort of art and, and you know, the need for that technical structure, like, does that fit goaltending? Like, because goaltending is a mix now of, you know, there's the, you got to have, there's a flair, there's an artistic, there's a, there's a read, there's a dynamic save selection. And yet increasingly over the years, goaltending is technique and A to B and set square and rotation and 
you know, those types of dynamics. Do you see those similarities between those two worlds of your career and, and, and your hockey career? Yeah. I mean, the art side of me, I think I've always had like a bold outgoing personality expressing myself, not afraid of expressing myself. So I was definitely into art. I'm obsessed. Attention to detail is my middle name. So the, the technique, I didn't have a problem with, with that, like learning all of the different save selections over the years had to recently learn the RVH. <laughs> Did the a, it, opposite. It never change. It's always evolving. Right. Yeah. So that was interesting, but I've, I've always been pretty good at math and science and, um, so geometry and angles and things like that, I understand pretty well. So that helped me. And that's a lot of goaltending yeah. these days, right? Like that, there is a lot of that in there, but there's still that artistic flair. Like are, are you, when you look at gear, when you look at your equipment and there's how it looks, right? Because style mm-hmm. matters as a goalie. It's style matters. And, and you've had some great, like the col- colored sets and an era of all white, like love the red. But do you look at function like have you is there any part of you that's looked and said you know this would work better if i'm sliding or if i'm doing rvh and a position that's very demanding on the body do you ever look at you know how your gear not just looks but how it functions in that type of because because i would think there are some tie-ins to architecture and design and and form meets fashion and function and all those things yeah i mean just over my throughout my playing career, the gear has evolved, and I'm actually going to be talking about this um, on the New Jersey Devils. They're doing a STEM day um, for saw that, yep. yeah, for um, uh, school kids. So I'll I'll actually be showing my dad's old goalie gear. He has like Cooper pads in the basement, the classic and, like, skates that weigh forty pounds. Um, so I'll be comparing his old stuff to my probably latest set of equipment. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think it's awesome how it's evolved and just the switch from like calling list skates. It was amazing how easy I could recover and push and the, the, the difference in angle of the blade and stuff like that. Um, and I just got quick slide on the <laughs> the inside of my pads. And I think I almost pulled my groin when I went down to stretch for the first time. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely interested in all of that and, t- and talk it over with the equipment reps. Um, I- I'm, I'm actually getting a brand new set of Verbero pads because now I am a Verbero athlete. So that's also something that's crazy and amazing that's happened within the past, I don't know, month. <laughs> Nice. So that's, and that's obviously we've seen with Blake Bolden. She has her own stick with Verbero and that partnership there. So it sounds like they're expanding those partnerships with other players. That's awesome. What a great opportunity. Yep. So look out for my, my new design for, um, pads, gloves. I'm pretty sure they're trying to expand their Verbero goalie line, um, to include head to toe custom equipment. So Nice. Well, Um, Andy Sutton, I think is behind that or one of the big part of that company. And Hey, like, like, that's the thing. We may mock the beer league and the inability to defend there, but like it's always good. Like the, the, our best friends are the good stay-at-home defensemen. I think Andy fit that mold, so that not surprising that he's looking to protect you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so the pads are um, manufactured by Kineski, Canadian company. Yeah. Um, so I'm working with them now to figure out all the specs and, and things like that. So 
any opportunity to, to like, have you, like, have you ever thought about like, Hey, like, like outside the box, can we do something different with this that, you know, nobody's really thought of with pad design. And we've, like you said, they've come so far in the past few years, the, the way they slide, the hard materials. Do you look at it? Uh, You're too busy designing buildings to look at how do I reinvent pads, yeah. but. I'm a little bit too busy designing buildings, but we have a, um, woman's equipment like advisory board at Verbero. So Alyssa Gagliardi, um, Britt Howard, and a few other players um, are on this board. And we were trying to go over for forward and for goalie equipment, you know, like what changes would we make to make gear more efficient, not so, you know, clunky sometimes. I'm so sick of also ordering intermediate sizing. <laughs> For a senior grown woman, having to say intermediate is so infuriating. Well, um, listen, like, like intermediate palms and stuff in the gloves? Is that what you're talking Intermediate palms, yep. But intermediate stick size. And I have an intermediate knee cradle size. So. Pad height. So. Just so you know, it's not just you. Um, our one of our the founder of Ingle Magazine, David Hutchison, who will be one of the hosts on this podcast. Uh, he's got the he's got to ha- order intermediate palms too. So it's not it's not just on the women's side, but we, we will have to come up with something a better a better way of doing that for sure. How about women's woman senior women's sizing? <laughs> just call it something different, you know. So we're talking about all of the frustrations and things that we've experienced to try to make it better for for girls that are ordering. I was going to say, wasn't that long ago, Brian's actually had a chest protector that was specifically designed for women with just some different, you know, different fit patterns on it as well. So it'd be nice to see if we could get back to that as well for you guys. Mm-hmm. So lots, lots to do, um, but you're, the, you're a big part of the people doing it. So thank you very much for being a part of that. And thank you very much for spending time with us. Is, uh, have I missed anything? I feel like there's so many different things that you're doing. I was trying not to miss anything. I don't think so. Um, stay tuned for my for my art show. Hopefully I'll finish the paintings in time to get it done this year. So, <laughs> so do you still have an Etsy page? Because I, I read at one point that you were, in addition to like as if architecture and goaltending and wasn't enough, you were creating art. Yeah, the Etsy page was more like, crafty kind of artwork if that yeah. makes sense and i i did it with uh, my boyfriend and we both decided like listen we're we've moved on since we've we've been doing these things and we don't have time and the price point on etsy is like just not worth our time and right now i'm trying to focus on my personal artwork in this show um more than i need to sell a custom painting of a dog so <laughs> So that is since closed, but, um, but look for the art show. Yeah. Look for the art show and also watch my teammates and the PWHPA, um, team Adidas versus team women's sports foundation Saturday, February 27th, 8 PM on CBC sports app. So this one is not broadcast, but there's a stream of it. And February 28th, 7 PM on the NHL Network and Sportsnet 360 live TV. Okay, we're going to make sure we we, we tweet the, the crap out of that as well. And of course, they can find you on social media as well for all these things, including the, the New Jersey Devil stuff. We retweeted that. Um, some of the activities you've got going there, they're a great organization for trying to move things forward and provide opportunities. So kudos to them and kudos to you for getting involved with them. And 
yeah, we'll keep an eye out on all the social media channels. Make sure we push all that and everyone follow along and, and look for the art. Kimberly, thank you so much for all this time today amidst this schedule. I appreciate more than half an hour here. So thank you, Kevin. The whole story about Dominic Hashik, like it's just proves you get so comfortable around people and then you realize that's one of the greatest goaltenders of all time. So we have to get Kim an autograph. I don't know what it's going to take, but between the three of us and our contacts, we have to find a way to get Dom to send Kim an autograph. On it. Okay, good. Let's all, all sign up. What's going on at Ingle Premium uh, right now? Some pretty cool articles. We, uh, you know, obviously a little limited in terms of we don't have as many teams coming through town right now because of these divisions and quarantines and border. But we've been hammering it with the Canadian teams and a lot of film and footage of some of the drills and work the goalies have been doing and now just doubling back with the coaches. They're weighing in, much like Steph Waite did for us early in the season, you know, sharing some notes and some keys on drills with Jake Allen and Charlie Lindgren. Uh, we had a great one up last week with Laurent Boisois talking about the way he gets ready to play. And, on a, and as a visitor, includes no shots in the morning skate. Doesn't worry about, you know, most of them do that drill where it's just, you know, Glove, 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 blocker, 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 shot, 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 shot. LB didn't, just stayed on the boards and worked on his movement. So some really interesting thoughts from him that he shared in the podcast. We added video to it to show you what he was talking about in terms of how for him, feeling good about those movements and getting rid of any of the hiccups in his movements were more important than maybe seeing static shots in terms of getting ready to play because feeling good about his setup and his stance and his movements fed his vision rather than the other way around and fed his read. So I thought that was fascinating. We've got the videos live. Uh, Wade Flaherty uh, is going to weigh in on some more ones that we filmed while the Jets were here. We've got the Maple Leafs coming to town this weekend, so we'll have some coming from them and some really great insights coming from the Vancouver Canucks and Ian Clark on some of the drills that I've filmed here with Mikey DiPietro, Thatcher Demko, and Braden Holtby. So make sure you keep an eye on Ingold Premium, uh, ingoldmag.com for the latest and greatest from the North Division, at least for now, we're working on uh, getting some content out of the other ones. But uh, the good news is we've got some really good goalies up here and some really good goalie coaches. And we're going to keep you informed with some tips and drills that you can put into your own game. Hey, the other one I love is from one of my favorite goaltenders uh, growing up when I was younger was Felix Potvin of the Toronto Maple Leafs and many other teams. Uh, I was a Leafs fan back then. And we've got an exclusive excerpt from the new Vintage Tendy magazine uh, that also went up this week. And it looks at Felix's masks and one of those guys who had an iconic look that he took from franchise to franchise. So uh, members can head over there and check out that spread from Vintage Tendy. And we'd encourage everybody to uh, go check out Vintage Tendy magazine on, uh, on social or on their website. It's a, a magazine that's a full glossy printed magazine delivered to your door four times a year and looks at goaltenders from a bygone era, and man, do I feel old when I say that uh, 2000 and before is a bygone era. But uh, I know all of our vintage tendies out there will really enjoy having a look at that. And uh, and then the other one, just to mention Woody, is you had your first pro read of 2021 with uh, James Reimer. And he's been a, a great friend in goal over the years, and he rolled out several um, pro reads with us from his time with Florida, but this is the first one from this season where you uh, sat down and looked at a number of things and we rolled the first one out this week and we'll have several more in the weeks to come. 
Yeah, we've got uh, we had Eric Comrie on the week before from his game with the Devils. We're definitely working through with guys now uh, into this season. Devin Dubnik uh, got into some Sharks content with him that'll be out soon. We we had one on the poke check. Um, got some more uh, pro reads coming up uh, scheduled for this week. So we're continuing to add voices and 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 add clips and add pro reads to that one to make sure that we're. We're not just going back to the same goalies all the time, although I got to say we've found some favorites in there and hope to have, you know, Jake Allen has been one of them and hope to add some with him in a Montreal Canadiens uniform now here in the next couple of weeks. So, yeah, Pro Reads is one of our favorites and uh, we've got fresh content coming there as well. Uh, I'm glad that it's working out for Laurent Brossois with that plan about uh, not taking shots and just uh, focusing on himself because back in the day, Mark Fitzpatrick would go for the pregame warm-up and not take any shots. Uh, Doug McLean was his coach then, and Doug said, uh, sure as heck, every time he would let the first shot in of the game. And he'd say, why, why can't you just take one shot in warm-up, let that one in, and get it out of the way, and then do your thing. So um, I'm really glad it's uh, working out for Brassois and company. And uh, thanks to Kimberly Sass. Thanks to you to, uh, of course, Cam Matwev over at the Hockey Shop, thehockeyshop.com, source for Sports Surrey. And to you, the listener, we really appreciate it as uh, we uh, approach the halfway point. We're sneaking up on it uh, around the bend in the next 10 days or so of this National Hockey League season. We'll talk to you again next week on In Goal Radio, the podcast. <laughs>